When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 beep. You're listening to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Peluso. It's a personal look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary, a deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. Talk about my dog sometimes. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Oh, Sharp Tongue Podcast with that delicious new intro, courtesy of Mr. Ryan Davis of the Tinfoil Hat Podcast. And I was just with Mr. Sam Tripley last night who screamed at everybody in the comedy club and was hilarious to six people at the amazing Sycamore Tavern, which is such an amazing club to go and work some stuff out. And even like, even when it's packed. It's probably one of the most delicious rooms in the city, in my mind, for a comic to go and just unleash the beast, if you will. (laughs) Speaking of beasts, sitting with me is one of my favorite people. People say that, and I feel like it's a little... What's the word? Give me a word, Mike. You're smart. Mm, It's a little early for words. Okay. I think that's something you say when you can't think of something specific to say that you like about somebody because you don't actually really like them. Like when I can't remember somebody's name, I go, there's that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that guy again. It is kind of like a a throwaway thing, but I don't like a lot of people, uh, especially to podcast with, because as you know, Mr. Mike Tully, host of The Tully Show on Sirius XM 103, you know it can be kind of difficult to have a conversation with somebody. It's really hard, and sometimes just because you have chemistry, chemistry with chemistry. Somebody. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> oh, oh, got a new podcast. <laughs> chemistry. Oh shit, that's a great podcast title. Sometimes just because you have good uh, chemistry with somebody off mic doesn't always mean that you have it on mic. Yeah, and it's a little bit like speed dating, where you kind of have to hit the ground running, particularly if you don't already know the person and also a lot of times there are people that I don't like but I really like talking to them on air like I don't really like love their work or whatever but they're really interesting to talk to and then there are lots of people that I love their work but when it comes down to it I'm like oh I guess beyond telling you that I enjoy what you do for a living I don't have a goddamn thing to talk to you about. There's fucking nothing else. One time I was alone in um, a movie theater lobby with Bob Newhart (laughs) and I I had that experience. (gasps) So what did you say? Like what? What? We nodded heads at each other, and that was it. He was making an appearance at the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, and for some reason, so he was standing outside waiting to be introduced. And for some reason, my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, and I hadn't gone inside yet, so it was just three of us standing there, and you couldn't. It was like almost like being in an elevator; you can't not acknowledge each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, and we were there to see him, but like. I had traveled across town and paid for tickets to see Bob Newhart just to see the man in person. And, but when it comes down to it, what, 
Do you have any burning questions for Bob Newhart? You didn't see. I w- I mean, what do you? Lo- what's your favorite thing? Like, why? Why? You know, why Bob Newhart? That's a very specific. Like me, it's Gene Wilder. But is Bob Newhart your guy? No, not at all. Who's your guy? Comedy wise, or just you know, in general, like you know. You're in the entertainment industry, mm-hmm. whether you want to acknowledge it or not. I am in the no. I acknowledge <laughs> that I, I am a paid entertainer. Yeah, you're in the commistry industry. Yes, I am. Uh, which a was a mouthful. Commistrian. <laughs> Commistrian. Yeah, and so you know, there's many genres and little niches. So who's your like person? Do you have a person? No. No. A couple people. Well, I guess like my stock answer would probably be Morrissey. Morrissey. Okay. But, Moody. But. Ev, I mean, to a person, everybody says if you like Morrissey, don't meet Morrissey. Right. Well, I, f- I feel like that can be said for a lot of our idols. I mean, can you imagine fucking, I've got Richard Pryor over here over my shoulder, uh, his wanted live in concert poster. Can you imagine meeting him during the era when he burned his face, when he was like zooted out? Yeah, you wouldn't want to meet that. You don't really want to meet anybody during their free base period, I don't think. I mean, think. well, Mickey Rourke is an exception. I still think that was not peak Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Rourke has peaked? At, I mean... are you, you, you think the best is yet to come for Mickey yes! Rourke? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be, like... Like, man, he looks like he's had a, 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 he looks like a female wrestler that had a face transplant with a Sharpay. And then was left in a river and died and someone found him a week later. And you think he's still a rising star. I do. I do. I mean. See, that's because you're, you're a woman. You're not a, you're not a girl. No, I'm an optimist. Oh, that's okay. my biggest problem. I'm an optimist. And so when you're extremely optimistic, that's where you can get into sticky situations where you're not really, you don't have your fight or flight tuned in. That's how I got hug mugged. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. But we can get to that. Go ahead, make it work. Sorry, you can't say how you got hug mug and then tell me to go back to Mickey Rourke's second midlife crisis. Tell me. All right, so we'll come back to Mickey Rourke. We're going to come back to Mickey. <laughs> I was living in New York City at the time, and I was taking the subway somewhere downtown Manhattan, oh. and some guy, like, you know, an obviously somewhat unnerved dude started talking to me about how he was having problems in his life, and he was had a lot of you know, weird energy to him, and I knew that there was something wrong with the guy and that it was a potentially dangerous situation. Oh, boy. And, but I think, because I went to, like, Catholic schools and stuff, I think it was the one time, my, the motto of my high school was uh, men for others. Oh, shit. And I think that was the one time in my life that I decided to be oh, a man Catholic. for others. And, the and, one time you decided to be Catholic. And what I, I remember the calculation I did at the time. And don't get me wrong. It was an incredibly stupid thing. And I, and I should have known better. And I kind of did know better even at the time. But I was like, this guy feels like the world has given up on him. And I'm going to take the risk that this might be a safe situation because I feel like this guy might, this is such like a melodramatic teen way of looking at things. I feel like Morrissey should be playing underneath this this story. This guy might be at like a crossroads in his life and he thinks that the world has given up on him. And so I'm going to take a chance that maybe he is telling the truth. So we got off the train and we walked around and Oh my God, there was a moment. His problems and stuff like that. What were his problems? What (laughs) was he saying? Do you remember? 
<laughs> Jesse, all I, <laughs> oh God. Oh God. all I remember is we hugged more than once. <laughs> while oh God, he kept, you hugged more while than he one. kept looking for, like, <laughs> vocally expressing that he was looking for like a dark, isolated place. <laughs> your time you're like men for others men for others and i'm like okay now it really looks bad but you've gone too far to back out now i'm not going to turn around and run away i was an idiot one time i <laughs> one time i gave a homeless chick on ecstasy uh, well she was whoa on this ex- is gonna I was be on fun ecstasy. wow i gave a cute homeless chick the keys to my apartment and what where i lived and i was like i'll just see you over there later and thank god she didn't she never went there so where did you get your key? How'd you get your keys back? I must have called my roommate or something. Oh, do oh, you know what? I was hanging out with my friend, and my <laughs> friend lived around the corner from me. We were on XT together, and he had, because he he was one of my best friends and lived around the corner from me, like knew him from before the city. He had a key to my house too. So did you lose your keys? From I know the I never homeless got them back from her. Yeah, I never. Did saw you change her again. your locks? No. I mean, this to be a man, those are two experiences great, that a woman great. wouldn't ever do. That is. A phenomenal point, and I'd never considered it through that prism. So anyway, the the hug mug guy ends up with it very often in in New York and other cities. There's like the first locked door that you go into, and you might have your like mailboxes yeah. and shit. And then there's the second locked door you go through to actually get in your weird into creepy the fun tile place. hallway and go up the creepy old stairs where everything smells like goulash from the lady who's been living there for 100%. five decades. Hundred percent. I am there, boy. Right. Did you paint a picture? So it's in, like going into dispensaries. Every apartment in New York is like a dispensary. So every I've never been in a dispensary. Just like that, first door, second door. So between first door and second door, he hugs me and it's like, I don't remember what he said, but essentially like, now give me money, dummy. In the in the vestibule. Yeah, in the vestibule. Yeah. You're welcome. So I gave him, I don't know, 25 bucks, whatever I had. Were you scared? <sighs> Not as much as I should have been. Because you guys had gone so deep because you had just <laughs> shared no, no, with each no, other. No, I don't think that I, – I, I definitely did not think that that was going to buy me any credit. If he was like a deranged killer and this was his weird angle, I don't think he was going to be like, yeah, but I'm going to kill you less bad because right. you listened to my problems and expressed Damn. that you went to Catholic school. Uh, and how many years ago was that? Mm, well, I went to high school. I don't know if I was – you know, that whole era, uh, I could tell you stories of like what I was doing – and how I was living, and I know that they are factually accurate, yeah. but I cannot believe that it is true because I can't understand. And I know everybody could say this about their, teen, their teens, but I mean, really unbelievably stupid. Yeah. Um, I, I went, feel the same way. I went to high school in the early 90s. That was probably the late 90s. I was yeah. probably out of school and just sort of like a waiter, dirtbag musician. Waiter, dirtbag. Oh, man. I feel like I did some dumb shit too, but like I feel like... For, we were saying for men and women, for a woman to do a dumb shit is more often than not much more dangerous than a man, just on a societal basis alone. Uh, yeah, there's actually something I'm like tired enough that I'm going to just say what I actually really think. Oh, God, please let it out. I feel like a guy could do the kind of shit that I did and he could just be like naive for a woman to do some of the things that I did, she'd actually have to have something wrong with her because women like need to, on a biological level, possess more common sense. Than, right. Because like, we're the, yeah. we're technically the weaker, right. physically weaker, except for like China, Oprah, and maybe like, you know, I don't know the Brigitte Nielsen. Yeah. Yeah. We're Cyborg, the weaker. Right. Yeah. We're the weaker species. 
on a physical level. Yes. So much superior on every other level. Nobody's debating. (laughs) But I had like, I lived in Brooklyn. I lived in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. When I first moved to New York, I lived in New York York City for like 10 years. When was this? This was 2004, 2003. Okay. You got there right before I left. Yeah. I love thinking that people who lived in Brooklyn at the same time as me that we might have passed on the street and just had I, no idea. I think that all the time I when I hear people were living there, like I just thought that last week someone was telling me they were like, oh, I was in Brooklyn this time. I was like, what street? What? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And and I had, I was living on uh, Madison Ave, which sounds so fancy. But yeah, that's the wrong borough. Wrong borough. We were in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, do or die, which was the motto, which is so much fun because you don't get to make that choice. <laughs> It's just like the neighborhood decides if you do or die. And we were on Madison between Marcus Garvey and Lewis. We were smack dab in the neighborhood in the middle, 10 blocks from a train on either side. So we had a 10-block walk to the train regardless, and I worked late. I I used to bartend, so I'd come home at like, you know, 2, 3 in the morning. I didn't have cab money, so I had to take that 10-block walk from the train. And I remember one time I came home, and I'm walking down the street, and I have a purse, all that's in it are like my comedy notes, some tampons, you know, maybe a lipstick. Nothing really important besides my comedy notes. And I turn left to go on my block, literally on my block. And I feel one arm get grabbed and then the other arm get grabbed. It was two kids. They were like 16 years old. And they were trying to yank my purse off of me. And I was like, you don't understand. There's, no- there's nothing in here. I told him, I was like, there's comedy notes and lipstick and tampons. Do you want tampons? And then I went into this other mode that I've just recently turned into a joke where I went fucking crazy on them. Like, I was scratching, not even like like aggressive, like trying to fight them, more like acting like a crazy person. And it scared them so much that they just like let me go and mm-hmm. ran away. Mm-hmm. And I Yeah, got- if you become like a feces-throwing monkey... Yeah. That's you'll, exactly you'll, you'll, my you'll, spirit you'll crazy animal. crazy off the crazies. Yeah, that was my survival spirit animal, a species-throwing monkey. And I kind of was in this mode, and I got into my apartment. My roommate was there, and all my adrenaline like left my body. And, yeah. I ju- and then you realize, like, oh, shit, I was- someone just tried to fucking mug me. And I did okay. So I, I have this whole thing where I think I got into it a little bit last night where I talked about how women are born prey, essentially, we're more susceptible to this shit in the streets where people are going to come up to us. Well, yeah, the point that you make or that you made last night, which is totally true and not something I'm sure I'd ever like really fully like absorbed until you said it last night is there are so many situations where I just stroll around casual where you have to be mentally in the zone and prepared for like a worst case scenario always worst case scenario right and like even in your own neighborhood worst case scenario at the grocery store at the movie theater like i'm always just checking my surroundings and looking over my shoulder not that i'm like i'm a victim i'm gonna be beaten today more just like try try me try me today just did you ever get um like the the random flash creep guy like yes. in, like like in Black Swan. Yes. You know, when she's on the train yes. and just that guy who should be the one guy who's not gonna do anything creepy yep. totally just makes a creepy face at her. Yep. Man. I remember I was riding the train once uh with my girlfriend in New York. And this is like six o'clock at night. Her and I are sitting the full train. A dude directly across from us is in a jacket jerking off in a trench coat and he's just like proper old school pervert. Dressed proper old school pervert. <laughs> 
like a Benny Hill yeah. style. Oh yeah, just almost like like a Martin Scorsese placed pervert, just like very cinematic, like the coat and just. And I looked at her. I'm like, what do we do? We didn't know what to do. And this was like, oh, am I 36 now? This was like 13 years ago. We didn't know. We didn't say anything to anyone. And people are like, oh, why don't you say something? Because it's fucking weird. Yeah. As a woman, like, in that time, even in this time, like, now it's a little bit different because everyone wants to scream it at the top of their lungs. But then we just were like, maybe this is, maybe he had a bad day. Like, we're trying to, like, apologize or, like, make excuses for why this guy's jerking off on the train. Yeah. I think there's just that. Everybody says, well, here's what I would do if that happened. And you just forget, I mean, frankly, the element of surprise. Yeah. And also you're just exactly, you're just sort of like, is this happening? Yeah. That's a whole aspect to it that people don't even consider. Like there's been so many times and I have like a dozen stories that are all around this, you know, zeitgeist of dudes in their dicks and unwanted and unsolicited. And for the most part, I can say nine times out of 10, I just was in shock that things were happening. Like, I remember when I was working at a pizza place in Syracuse, I was like 16 or 17, slicing up tomatoes and getting shit ready for the day. The owner comes in. We aren't even open yet. He comes in, grabs my hand, and puts it on his fully erect dick. And then I just look at him, and then he just walks away. I didn't say anything. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell the police because I just was like, what was that? No, we, we, we didn't grow up in a culture where we no. were prepped Mm-mm. or properly um, sort of like guided on how to no. handle that. Now it's different. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We like don't by the time to... you're, do- how, how old is your daughter? Yeah. Like she's two months yesterday. So congratulations. Thank you. By the time she becomes a teenager, she'll mm-hmm. live in a completely different environment. Yeah. You know what? I don't want to get into, I'm sure none of us wants to spend, devote too much time right now this morning to me too and stuff but that's one of the awful things about this situation that we're in now and we're seeing it again with the supreme court guy is we're kavanaugh yeah yeah is we're in this messy situation where it's like well if that happened why didn't you do something it's like well moving forward i bet you a lot more women and men will And why didn't you say something for 25 years? Because if it happened today, you would say something right away. It's hard to put your, even if you were around an adult and a thinking sentient human being 25 years ago, it's hard to put yourself back in those shoes. Yeah. And it's just like, I understand. And we get these messy things where it's like a man's up for the Supreme Court and some chick has this one uncorroborated story from 30 years ago. What are we supposed to yeah, do? Yeah, what that? do you do? That is, it's it's messy. It's a very messy place that we're in right now, and it's a it's an awkward transition phase. But I'm I'm not confident that we're transitioning out of a lot of other ugly things that are going on right now. No. But I'm fairly confident that this is a necessary transition phase. For sure. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if you remember... Um, like a few months back, like when all this stuff, these stories coming out, Weinstein, everything, when Matt Damon got burned by Alyssa yeah. Milano, because all he said was there's a spectrum yeah. and then there needs to be accountability on both ends. Is this becoming a straw man thing? Because I feel like um, you're definitely the second person who brought that up to me. I can't, was it Jamie Kilstein or Josh Denny? I, I don't remember, but I, I, I have not actually met a human being who is with the 
the Twitter outrage crowd on that. Every person that I talk to on that agrees. Of of course, there's a spectrum. Yeah, and every idiot knows that. And just because you did a bad thing doesn't mean it is the ultimate bad thing that a person can do to another person. I think we all get that. We all get that. But why is that? Why does it feel like the opposite? Get that? Yeah. (laughs) Twitter is everyone just a bunch of fucking idiots on Twitter? Then I mean. Because well, I think here's Twitter's what, just a great big noise machine. It's I'm not a noise really machine. Sure that it's all that relevant. You're it. You're a hundred percent right, and it's the people who are screaming the loudest care the least about the cause. Because if you really care about the cause, you're working. You're you're doing research. You're you yeah. know you're not screaming about what's going on. You're yeah. You know what I want to see on Twitter, and you are covered on this, and I am not personally. What I would really really like to see on social media, because everybody's got so many goddamn opinions and everybody knows what's right about absolutely everything in the Mm -hmm. world i would love to see for the next fucking ice bucket challenge or whatever put the organization that you support in tangible ways not like i think they do great work like you either give time or money or both put the organization that you support in your twitter bio and if you don't have it there i don't give a fuck about your opinion about anything show me that you are doing show me that you are doing in the world and I'm still not going to listen to your fucking opinion, but I'm really not going to listen to your opinion if you can't tell me what you are doing. What yep. do you stand for with your actual human life, not your Twitter Twitter life? A hundred percent. I agree because otherwise you're just you're just a propaganda train for yourself. You have your own bandwagon and that's it. That's yeah. all you're doing is you're just getting people to come like your page for bullshit. It's I don't even know if it's the the likes. I guess it is. I, I don't I never really It's like attention. I don't feel that way myself, so I it's hard for me to put myself in, in those shoes. But it, it it's just gossip. Is really it is what just it is. Gossip. It's like next level gossip. That's it's all just it this, is at that point. It's nanny nanny poo poo shit. <laughs> and it's so weird to say that we're talking about some woman is accusing a would be Supreme Court justice of attempted rape 30 years ago to reduce that to nanny nanny poo poo. But I think that is the motivation for 95% of the Twitter outrage crowd. A hundred percent it is. And also it's like it, it, it gets and the thing we're going to learn is that men are going to learn that there are limits to their communication with women and how they should or shouldn't communicate with a woman. And a woman's going to learn that she's got to speak the fuck up. She can't be scared. I'm trying to put myself, what do you, have you ever thought about? John Stamos when I'm alone in the shower every day. (sighs) Yeah. I noticed you've got the, your, your your living room is very (laughs) unbrand. I noticed the big Stamos picture on the couch. Yeah. Um, (laughs) what do you think? So pizza man, what do you think was going on in his mind in the five minutes that preceded that incident? To to Kavanaugh? To, or no, to who? No, pizza guy. My pizza guy? Yeah. Who's my pizza guy? The guy who owned the pizza place. Oh, okay, the, uh, the owner. What do you think was going on in his mind? Not a lot. I don't right. think much. I think all the... Uh, I, I felt like all the blood was in his dick. <laughs> but, like, do you think... If, if, I, if you were writing a short story, you know, and yeah. you had to give a motivation to that character, is it was he, like... No, don't make the pretty young tomato slicer touch your dick. Oh, but I'm only a man. I must make her touch my dick. Or was he just like, <laughs> fuck yeah, everybody touches my dick. I'm the man. I make the pizza. The pretty young tomato slicer. <laughs> or was oh he just God. off in some weird... I always picture... That's interesting. I'm not, I'm not trying to virtue signal, but I'm not, I'm not a perfect person, but I'm not that guy at all. I always picture people who do awful things like that almost slipping into some like 
semi-conscious dream state. Yeah. Because I can't imagine, I can't, like... I don't think most evil people are like, fuck yeah, super evil, never going to get caught. Let's go get my dick right. touched. I think that they just slip they get caught up. into some place where they don't really realize that they're interacting with other human beings who have their own agency. Yeah, and, and lest we forget, we're animals. For the most part, we're creatures, but we also have these animal instincts. Sure. And if we're not taught at a young age you know, the values of love and restraint. If we're not given love and restraint, things can go south for a majority of your life. I mean, look at Louie. Obviously, he's got some sort of disruption in his rearing or there's just something chemically imbalanced in his mind. So, like, for this pizza owner, I honestly think, when I remember back to that moment, because I can kind of remember back, it was he was very, like, you know, choochy, like, Italian guy. Dude, I'm pretty sure I can picture a guy who owns a pizzeria yeah, in Syracuse. But this New is York. like quintessential. Yeah, 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 yeah. They all, yeah. Like pinky ring, still from high school, you know, terrible hair. I'm not from that far away from you. I, I know this man. <laughs> so I think honestly, he just was in a moment where he just was like, wanted to get his, you know, willy wet. And then what did he, what do you think he did? Did he go back off somewhere? Oh God, I just probably, he probably jerked off into the pe- into the pizza crust and somebody had a extra topping on that delivery that night. Yeah. Unfortunately. Well, but you know, he, this is yeah. somebody whose morals weren't and, always in check because he also had like criminals working for him. Yeah. Like, I, he's a, yeah, he's a pizza guy from the, yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Like the guy who. Was there some sort of gambling thing going on maybe? I don't know. Maybe but like there was a guy who worked with me who they called the ice cream man who just had gotten busted because he, great business motto was selling designer drugs out of his ice cream truck to the parents. Awesome. I always heard about people like that. Isn't I that never, great? I went to Harvard square and everybody said that there was like the pretzel person that if, like, you ordered, if you ordered it with mustard, they gave you a dime bag. Yeah. And I ordered a lot of pretzels. And yeah. I never got shit. Oh, by the way, uh, I was going to bring you happy belated birthday. I had plans to bring you weed. I had <gasps> some special weed. But I just moved and I couldn't find it. I love to hear about plans that aren't going to happen. Well, One of my favorite things are getting the ideas of gifts. We're going <laughs> to check down a couple times here. You just so told me. So I was going to give you the weed. Couldn't find it. It's Be Real's weed. I don't know if that interests you at all. Yeah. And then I couldn't find it. So then there's this amazing pastry place by me. And I was going to get you pastry. Wow. But then I was already running late. That's so... What I do have is... You just looked in your bag, and I'm terrified. What I do have is ham sandwiches. Ham sandwiches? I feel like you're going to give me your kids' lunches. No, it's my lunch, but I'm willing to share it. No. I, I would not come to a house empty-handed. So I'm I, not going to eat your ham I sandwich. Bought, I, I want my Be Real weed and my <laughs> okay. fucking pastry. Okay, next time. All right. I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> I can't believe you just told me the ideas really, of the gifts. I feel really badly coming you to your should. home empty-handed. You should. Particularly in your birthday season. You're my birthday season. I'm not a basic bitch. Girls do that. That's mm, my I, birthday. I saw your Instagram. I it know. I went a little day crazy. Four of your, was- <laughs> of your birthday. True. True. Yeah. I did celebrate it for like four days. But in my defense, I was on a weekend. I was working at the store in San Diego. And you know. You just kind of extended a little bit. You themed it out. I themed it out. Yeah. You know, I had a good time with it. I had fun. But you're you're not going to be excused from giving me okay. my be real weed, is all I'm going to say. You got you, it. Do you partake in marijuana? I feel uh, like you don't. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. I kind of reek of nut weed, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you reek of like... 
somebody like a like somebody who maybe does volunteer mall security. How dare you? <laughs> I've said a couple things to you where you get. Well, last time you think, I, you think I'm a flashlight guy? <laughs> Hold on, I'll bring my flashlight. Those guys, always, those guys always have flashlights. They always, have, and they're huge flashlights. I know. Yeah, they're like mag lights. It's like the least essential uh, symbol of authority, right? And, and it's, it's also only, like it's the only one they're allowed to have. It's, what do you? So okay, so you can see in the dark. Yeah, you, yeah, you can identify the perps. I mean, no, I so weed worked really, really well for me for. <laughs> I'd love to know. I think marijuana worked really well for me for a couple of years. And then it just became like sort of the cliche. I smoked and I just started seeing the bad side of everything. And I was just sort of like, oh, why didn't I realize that this is all weird and creepy and shitty? And Oh, yeah, you were too enlightened to yeah, yeah. the other side of stuff. It can do that. Kind of, and the same thing happened to me with like mushrooms around the same time. So like when people say paranoid, I really wouldn't say paranoid. Is the word. I just would be like, Oh, like oh, enlightened to the dark side. There's all kinds of bummer shit that I wasn't really, that was, oh, I was right there and I knew about it, but yep. I guess I'd been tuning it out and mm-hmm. now I can't, can no longer tune it out. And I smoked weed habitually for longer when it was bad than I, than the period of time that it was good. Right. Because I would like literally in less than 24 hours be like, yeah, 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 but it's going to be different today. And, and you I know, think I so desperately wanted it to work. And then I didn't for years and years and years and years. And, um, recently somebody gave me the pussiest edible that they make those little chocolate coffee bean ones. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I ate one of them and hung out. I was back in Brooklyn and drank all day and it worked really, really well. And I was like, Oh awesome. I'm back. I can do the edible tiny little thing, drink a whole bunch, takes the edge off. I'm fine. And I've had a couple of, I've done maybe four more and it's gotten bad again. To like extent. panic attacks. Like <clears throat> not panic attacks. Here's, Here's what it was. Tell me what goes on in your mind. We're going to break this down. I don't. How many milligrams? Let's start there. Like one. What? No. Know. What are those little? Probably up. they got to be at least three. The minimum. Maybe five. Well, maybe it's three. Five milligrams. So it's like, I know what you're trying. I think they're five milligrams. Mm-hmm. I took a half one time. Wow. I know. I know. And so that, because I've done drugs enough that. Like I had enough bad times on mushrooms that I could at least get to the point where you're like, this isn't real. This sucks, but ride it out. Yeah. Don't listen to the dark side. Yeah. It's not, you're just going to have to, it's like being sick. You're just going to have to wait till you get better. So I can do that with weed. Like I don't, I don't fall for it. Right. I just kind of need to hold the wolves at bay. But the other night I, like my wife and I will, uh, for fun, we'll like cook a steak and drink a bottle of wine that watch some great. basketball this is like our kind of our friday night thing usually like pop a vicodin yeah like nice well, i haven't been able to get any vicodin but I guys can we send some vicodin in for mike tully please i <laughs> do not have insurance i have insurance but i i'm i'm too like i'm too good fall to... off a ladder <laughs> make it valid <laughs> i've asked for the better they can they see through me and i'm like this, i think this one's gonna like i go to i got like a, I got like a dental implant and i'm like i think i'm gonna need more than advil and he's like okay i'll give you like prescription strength advil and i'm like fuck he called my bluff i don't have i don't have any reason why he needs to give me anything better you than need that. a vicodin so i just wanted i wanted a vicodin how many vicodin and i so i ate the tiny little weed thing and it's like it just makes me very self-conscious and like my kid didn't go to bed 
and my um, my mother in law is with us for an oh, extended God, period of time. Oh God, that sounds like a whole nightmare. So now all your of reality sudden, sounds worse than the edible. So now all the, well, there's that too. So now all of a sudden, I'm just like, I'm trying to act normal. Right. Like everything that I say, I literally say the sentence, and I'm like, Yeah, good one. That sounds like a thing a person would say. <laughs> you just bought yourself another thirty seconds of anybody at this table realizing there's something wrong with you. And it's like, does the six year old know I'm being weird? Does the 62 year old know I'm being weird? Is my wife on to me? <laughs> All from a teeny, All teeny, from the teeniest, teeniest, little edible. And I was like, okay, that's it. Like I'm done with, I took a 20 year break and I thought I could. You must I, be sensitive to it. There's I'm really, something I'm, I'm like really sensitive to and it also... Yeah. I get really bad contact highs. I won't even let them the show... I didn't smoke before you came in because I wasn't sure. Yeah, it would make me weird. Yeah, that's why I was like, you know... I, I it's making me actually feel a little weird, to be honest, like talking about it. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's good. Dig, let's dig in deeper. Go ahead. <laughs> that's so funny. I don't think there's too much to it. Like, I always remember on the X-Files, there was a... I love... I never watched the X-Files, but there's this oh, great I love little, the X-Files. Maybe you'll remember this episode where a guy's like killing everybody and there's like a psychic that's the only person who knows who he is and what he's doing and they finally come face to face and the, um, the serial killer says to the psychic guy why do I do this? And the psychic guy goes, cause you're a psychopathic murderer. And it was so great because the, the murderer had been going through his entire life thinking Not, there must be some deep seated yeah. trauma and this is how it's manifesting. And that's kind of how I feel about the weed thing to be honest with you right. is cause when I, do, when I leave it alone for 20 years, I'm hunky dory. It's not like, it's not like <laughs> the dark shit finds another way out. I, I think that I have a weird time with weed cause Marijuana does not agree with me. Yeah, and it doesn't. I think it's that simple. And no, I think Mushrooms it is that too. simple. I tried the microdosing thing, and I was all happy on that, and that did not work out. Did not work out for you. It doesn't work out for everybody. You know, it's all Vicodin about finding. Fine. Vicodin works fine. No, no side effect. I mean, you're tired the next day. I've, I've heard you just went. I did. I, <laughs> I've heard it's mildly addictive too, but I, I would never like cut to you like I got a toothache, I got a no, knee ache, no, no, my no, knuckles no. are sore. Oh my god! Every no. week you're just in there for something new. Oh my god! If I do it like two times in one week, I get so trashed. I need a break. Really? Yeah, I get tired. So what does it do when you're on a Vicodin? I've never taken one. Really? Yeah. Did you ever do heroin? No. What? <laughs> no. Oh, Have you, you done? Oh, you, you must. <laughs> I did. I dabble a little. What? Yeah. When? Uh, during those wilderness. Oh, no, no, no. I was real young. Um, uh, I was like 15 or 16. Is this when you gave the homeless girl your key? No, that was years later. So you were sober when you gave the homeless no, girl your key? I was on ecstasy when I gave her Okay. Ones. Okay. I was, uh, no, but uh, yeah, my, my smack weekend had, was long in my... So I was smack in a... Smack weekend. That sounds like a wrestling event. I was in a band. It kind of is. I was in a band. That was wh- how I was supposed to turn out. I was like in a real band that had like a manager and, and you had like long that. hair didn't you no i tried my hair so shitty i couldn't do it oh. nowadays with the products we have i probably could have had <laughs> nowadays with the products <laughs> we have and the thinning techniques <laughs> but back then that no, was a mess what was hmm. the band um it was like we were kind of like i hate to say it but we were kind of like an emo band before there was even emo i feel like you've told me this what was the name the name of the band was national velvet oh my god yeah and so that was probably during, I was probably in that band when I got hug mugged because I didn't, I was not doing much between <laughs> high school and college because technically I was in a band <laughs> that was going to be big, going to be big oh rock stars. God. But we were, um, we, we were all little metal heads and we were super obsessed with this glam metal band in New York City and our drummer's brother was in the band and the singer of that band was like a very serious heroin addict in his thirties. And that inspired you. 
No, he bought it for us. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that supplied you. Yeah, we asked him about it, and he, he was, was like, "Try it out." No, 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 no. He was. I guess. I guess there's an angle that there's a case that could be made that it's never cool to give teenagers heroin ever. ever. But I feel like I felt like then, and I feel like today, like he was a cool guy because he was like, "You guys shouldn't try this. It's bad. But if you are going to try it, you should do it with somebody who can get you safe stuff and make sure that you try it safely. And if you Jeez. if you decide that you want to do it, I can be that guy." And we walked over to Alphabet City when Alphabet City was still like mm. Alphabet City. Very very desolate and even then dark he was like you guys don't do this to impress me like it's if you don't want to try it don't try it and then we went back to his apartment i think i want to say we did it twice it may have only been once he's like don't do it to impress me but you're gonna have to do it off my dick if you do and we just i he you know i didn't see him shoot up he went it was like a locked thing and i think he went up into his bed and, whoa and it out. but he just put these tiny little i don't even remember bumps or lines or whatever and we just snorted a little bit and just like Anybody who's ever done a Vicodin has done <laughs> has done what I did, which is like where you just you just kind of relax and feel kind of warm, and you know I'm like playing songs on guitar, and the bass player from the the band's called Champagne Suicide. That's oh what these guys Jesus were. The bass Christ! Champagne Suicide's like man, you know what? You write really good songs. Thank you, man. Oh God, that's all it was. Is this a scene from Forrest Gump? And then we, feels like and, a scene from Forrest and Gump. And then we woke up and we all barfed because that's what happens the morning after heroin. And oh my God, champagne! What? Champagne suicide. That sounds like just what the police report said the next day. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just in a pile of vomit. Wow, you've really lived a life. You've tried a lot of shit. Yeah, now I can't do any of it anymore. Maybe your brain just got sort of, you know, not ready to receive. THC in a proper way from Maybe. all the other stuff. I had all the other stuff. I did it like one time. Come on. What? There was two times in that one night. There may have been. Oh, I probably did it more than one time. You just lied. <laughs> Statue of limitations on heroin usage. I'm clean. Are you? You're completely sober? No. But no, I'm clean on statute of limitations. I can yeah. no longer be prosecuted for but the But I think it's I'm... good that you experience stuff. Like, it makes you more aware and it makes you less judgmental of everybody else's journey oh hell yeah but i also feel like for be, you know you're a father mm-hmm. so which is why i'm gonna ask you to delete this podcast in about four years oh no i'm, I'm actually gonna save this and release it for when your daughter's ready <laughs> her quinceanera yeah her quinceanera <laughs> is your wife hispanic no. you guys are just gonna I'm just fond of the concept. That's, it's a great idea. We're go down to Griffith Park. We're gonna take pictures by the yes. fountain and plug in in the car. Bring the extension cord all the way out to the <laughs> fucking yard with pop up. Mm-hmm. You got a whole speaker system, a refrigerator. I miss New York, man. I miss like the whole Latino culture there. Like all the amazing Puerto Ricans that are in New York and in just the way they would party in the park. Like every weekend, mm-hmm. and legit have full fucking refrigerators. I don't remember seeing refrigerators in the park. I remember up I on. Was in a, I was in a tonier section of Brooklyn. Oh yeah, see, and this is this is on the island. I'm talking like maybe 108. That whatever that like, I think it's like the tip of Central Park, like way up on the oh, okay on the upper like east or west. Yes, east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spanish Harlem. Yes, yeah. and the way they would just that's right near the public pool, too. There's a public pool up there. Holy. Yeah, so you, they, these people would just show up with extension cords and like have 
their whole kitchen right out in the park and it was beautiful. New York's amazing. I went to high school 20 blocks from there and I've never been where you're talking about. That's the great thing about New York. You could lit like people in New York will exist on a block and that's it. I know. Cuz you've got your laundromat, mm-hmm. you got your bodega, mm-hmm. you've got your bar, yeah, Seinfeld your grocery nailed store. That. Really nailed it. Yeah. That's all the I mean it, it, the city is a vertical city. Yes. You live in your apartment and you stay on your block. It's wild. I used to be a doorman one summer on 89th and Park, 90th and Park, and there was like a tiny little like natural hill. And I knew that if you went over that <laughs> on the other side of it, on 96th, six blocks away, there's guys sitting on orange crates in front of a bodega. You knew it. And meanwhile, these the, the homes in the apartment building where I was a doorman cost probably even then like 1.5 million dollars which is a deal like four million dollars yeah i was gonna say damn it's just so wild that that's how new york is that you could be five uh, five miles uh, i'm sorry five blocks away from some sketchy bodega yeah and those people have never been to the that bodega in their entire life that's right that's right you could live i lived in new york for almost 11 years almost yeah 10 years and you can't even you could eat out every night at a new place. My dad always says that. My dad is so really? my dad is so fond of that fact. He has all these facts, and I don't know if any of them are true, but he always They're this all one, true. This, it's your dad. Dad facts are always true. This one's probably true. Don't shit the wrong way in the wind. That's more of like advice, but it's still factual. <laughs> I didn't have I, I didn't have <laughs> That's that my kind dad's of dad fact. That's my dad's fact. <laughs> my dad always said you could eat every single meal I'm sure he meant Manhattan. Every single meal for your entire life at a different place. And you would never eat at the same place twice because by the time you got through all of them, so many of them would go, have gone out of business that you could just start all over. Yep. Again. It's probably true. It definitely is true. Yeah. I mean, that city. If you count like bodega delis and shit like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a, there's nothing like a bodega breakfast sandwich, mm-hmm. like egg and cheese and a Kaiser roll. Woo! You're not from Taylor Ham country, right? You are? Yeah. You're not? No. It's so weird how we have this superior pork product in New Jersey that didn't not just like refuses to escape the boundaries. I know Chris state. Christie just won't fucking leave. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Zing. superior pork product. <laughs> that made me laugh. Where in Jersey are you from? I'm from Rutherford, New Jersey. It sounds fancy. Rutherford. Is it like I real think it ghetto? Was. Yeah. No, no, it's not real ghetto. Um how would I describe it? I think it used to be real fancy and like because there's like a, a nice little old post office and a nice right little architecture and library right and there's a bunch of nice tiny churches it's a dry town it's what? a really really small town it's a dry town mm-hmm. so there's not a bar in it whatsoever or liquor store liquor stores no bars and restaurants wow. restaurants can't serve booze but it's a That's really bizarre it's a really small town no, it's actually kind of awesome because you just farm out the riffraff. Like the, the, all you need to do said is said hunky dory. Yeah. Riffraff. Uh-huh. And what was the other one that you said early on? I think it was peachy keen. Did I? Yeah. You were built to be a dad. <laughs> I was. I really, really, <laughs> I really was. Um, I get, yeah, you keep out all the, the all you, well, and all you have to do is just go over to the other side of the train tracks and there's three bars waiting. And there's for me in Syracuse. <laughs> no, you like, you can just, you can just go right over to Lindhurst, go right over to East yeah. Rutherford. And so it's not like, Everybody in town's a raging alcoholic. They just, it's not in their backyard. <laughs> they have to drive a little further. They spend a little more gas. It's a gas. really small town. Yeah. It's a really small town. So That's wild. A dry just, town. I didn't even know, I didn't even know 
realize those existed. Certainly not in the north, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, especially not in that area. I mean, definitely in Utah. And they'll never repeal it because it becomes this self-fulfilling thing where people move there because they want to raise their kids. And right, that kind of right, right. So then they dump all this money into like youth programs and shit like that, which makes it an even better place to raise kids. So more people move there. So now why are we going to repeal the dry laws when we can just go to the other to side? To the other the side, right. you can bring a bottle of wine to a restaurant. Right. So, you just yeah, charge a corkage fee. It is like a... That's kind of nice. It's this crazy little small town that is like, I've never looked it up, but like eight miles from New York City. I know it. And I know Rutherford. Like, well, because Giant Stadium and the arena and shit like that is in East Rutherford. Yeah, they're like, we got to get on the other side of the tracks. <laughs> you can buy booze there. <laughs> you can buy booze. I mean, can you imagine a dry stadium? Yeah, people might realize that football is a pretty boring spectator sport. <laughs> Can you imagine sports without alcohol? I can. I don't like to drink when I watch sports for the most part, but really, yeah. what, what when do you like to have a little sauce? Sauce nowadays. Friday like night steak dinner Friday with wifey. Steak dinner wifey, and other than that, I'm good for like a scotch nightcap a couple nights. Yeah, see, I'm kind of the same. That's kind of like adulting. I just like it when I'm like when I'm drinking. That means I'm done. I'm completely finished. You're in for the night with all responsibilities and all. Yeah. Like I've never, ever, ever had a sip before I went up on stage. And I don't think I ever would. I had a glass before I went on stage. I normally don't have wine. I had a glass of wine before I went on stage and then one more. And I was, I was hung over this morning. Mm -hmm. I'm 36. Yeah, I know. That's what that means. Mm -hmm. Being hung over after two glasses of wine. Yes. Someone save me. Yeah. It's, yeah. It just gets easier to like, I think People don't even realize this. Like when you're young, you just rage and there's no consequences and that's awesome. Oh, we know you raged. And then you, I guess I've you were in Morrissey's loft apartment. I haven't told you. There's, there's a lot of other stories. <laughs> Blowing um, lines of heroin. And uh, <laughs> crazy, but true. Yeah. And then you get to that point where the math on drinking versus hangover gets really, really fuzzy because you're just like, ah, oh, I still love drinking, but God, these hangovers are getting worse and worse. And now you're passing through to real adulthood, uh -huh. which is where I've been living for a little while, where you're like, it doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't really enjoy drinking as much as I used to, and the hangovers are so brutal. Yes. It actually becomes pretty easy to... Just not drink. I used to be concerned about blossoming into a full-blown alcoholic, and I'm just not I mean, how do adults do how it? How do they do it? This I used to bartend it's in New be York. Built, like different on you a genetic to, level. You really do, and you have to build up a tolerance. You really have to been abusing alcohol for a long, long time. Takes commitment. Like this dude used to come into our bar. I used to work at this bar called Puffy's Tavern in New York, in in Tribeca. Did you know Puffy? You know there was legends of Puffy, but I don't think anyone ever knew him. Yeah, and people would call once in a while, and be like, "Yo, is this Diddy's bar?" And I'd be like, "No, different Puffy." Seriously, we get phone calls. Um, and this guy used to come in this, this author, Nick Toshes, who was like this legendary author, he, a lot of like, um, dark, kind of like noir style, uh, novels. He would come in and he was a heroin addict as well as an alcoholic. And he would come in, have probably like, I don't know, eight, nine Stella's go in the bathroom do his thing. And then he just would sit there and hold his Stella and be in like this heroin days. And literally we would count, we would bet how long the Stella would stay there before it spilled for like hours. We would just let him chill. Everyone knew him in the neighborhood, but literally the beer, the, the beer would have like a, a, a meniscus. Oh, like in, it wouldn't spill. 
Like he just would be holding a full fucking beer. Meniscus? Men- isn't that what it's called? The I'm going to look that up. I think the meniscus is just um, a part of your knee. Oh, maybe. What, what's, the t- what's the thing that the... I, I think I know what you're getting. Oh, what's it called? I, I shouldn't have even... Uh, no, no. Now I want to know. Is it meniscus? The, the surface tension. You are Surf- absolutely right. Is it surface? Is it, it is right? both. It's a thin fibrous cartilage between the surfaces of some joints, and it is also the curved upper surface of liquid in a tube. That's the same word? Yeah, both meniscus. I did not know that. I thought the knee word was something different. No. So anyways, he'd be up there holding his beer in a heroin meniscus. Yeah. Um, I used to hear about, God, I love New York City so it's much. So New York is so, it's, New York is really rock and roll. I mean, even though it's like expensive and it's changing, evolving, it's such a rock and roll place. It's just the best. It's it really best. is. Up wanna, until four. Yeah. I don't want to live there anymore. Ever but, a fucking again. But if I could finagle a way to get there for a week every three or four months yeah that would be my perfect life living i feel the Los, same way in los angeles and then getting to new york that often is my absolute perfect life yeah i remember hearing stories about i used to listen to this punk band called the dead boys who had already long broken up and their singer had already been m- murdered by a bus in paris like by murdered by a bus <laughs> what do they have like i don't know that it was premeditated <laughs> but he got like, that bus is, the, is like i'm gonna kill this, this son of a bitch the story was that he got hit by a bus and got up and they're like, whoa, you got hit by a bus. He's like, no, I'm fine. And then went home and died. I don't know if it's true, but anyway, the guitar player of the the dead boys, his name was uh, cheetah Chrome. They used to say that there was, maybe it was like Mars bar or something like that, that he would go and hang out and hold a cigarette and he didn't smoke, but he would just hold it so that eventually it would go down enough that it would burn his finger and wake him up. And then he would drink some more. Oh, my God. That's what I heard about Cheetah Chrome. I'm so glad my parents loved me. I know, right? <laughs> it's amazing, man. That's legit. That's amazing. Really... Wait, you were in a hardcore. Did you ever hear of Civ or Gorilla Biscuits? I was not into those kinds of bands at all, but I do know who they are. Yeah, those are my friend. My friend Token was in entry. those bands. Yeah, right. that's funny. I know all those like hardcore guys. Oh, do you? Yeah. My, the, one of my dear friends, Charlie Garriga, w- is in both of them, was in both of them, and they, they're actually touring Again, everybody's, Judge. You ever hear Judge? Uh-uh. Yeah, another hardcore, New York hardcore. Yeah, everybody's and back and bigger than ever. Good for I them. I know. Like, he's touring all over, like, Europe and stuff. And he, he owns uh, Puffy's Tavern. That's where I used to work for seven years when I was doing stand-up comedy in New York. And Did he get, like, so he transitioned out of, I, I love when the people who should have made money doing something in New York yeah. um, make money elsewhere like did he like because they they always know the cool neighborhoods before yeah. else. they were always local yep. before people started yep, living in so it's like you did the band you didn't make any money you bought some yeah, shitty, you, got, yep. you bought some moved, shitty bar moved to east new, new, new brunswick yeah yeah yeah. have the family you bought the shitty bar, bought the bar and, and, then, and then it just and then robert took de niro off makes again. a film festival and yes. next thing you know yeah, yeah oh, i love when that happens. yeah and that, I love that when pretty that much happens. happened to him like, like the new york golden parachute yes yes that's exactly what the heck happened to him and now he just tours and yeah works in the bar when he can awesome yeah it's amazing he, he was great because i used to need to take off of work all the time to go and do stand-up and like literally it'd be like wednesday at noon i needed to be there at four mm-hmm. and i'd text him or call him and be like hey this really great opportunity came up and he'd work for me oh wow he would pick up shifts if he could like he worked so hard to make it so that i could pursue this thing I just, what, you know, not many people like that in your life. Are you crying? No. Okay, it looks like your eye was welling up a little bit. It's a touching story, but <laughs> I'm able to keep it Shout in Shout out check. to Charlie Gariga. I'm able to keep that in, <laughs> I almost in, made in, in perspective. 
<laughs> um, I was thinking of you. You're saying your parents loved you, and I was thinking of you this morning because you must have touched on something similar to that performing last night as well. I'm looking at my daughter, who's like very miniature. She's so tiny. Did I show you her? No, but she's two months. Let and me see her. She, uh, hold on. I can't talk and do things at the same I time. I know, because we're, we're analog babies. We're old fucks. I'm a radio professional who should be able to do this. Check out this little movie. Oh, come on. How cute is she is a Disney character? How cute is she? She's got your dimples? Yeah, she does. She's stupid. I love that little girl so much. She's really stupid. It's so great. This I don't know if it's just because she's super cute or super lovable or if it's just because it's the second one and we waited six years, so we're just like just able to relax a little bit yeah. more. But just like I think it took me a minute with the first one to like get it. And and almost, you know, everybody always says, Oh, the the greatest moment of my entire life was the first time I saw my child in the delivery room. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't feel that way at all. I felt, you didn't? I felt kinda like Wow, that's amazing. Like, it's pretty, it's the one time in your life you go in a room with like five people and you walk out with six. You know? <laughs> yeah, I seriously. I didn't, I, I would be totally lying if I said that the most emotional moment of my life was when my son was born. It just didn't, it didn't feel that way. It, it, it grew. It like, he like, still to this day, the awesomeness and enormity of him reveals itself and right. it will continue to, but it just didn't happen off the bat with this one. Maybe cause I kind of know where we're going. I know how the story sort of ends in yeah. general terms. She, uh, she, I just love her. We all love her. We can't leave. We won't leave her alone. She's got like rashes. That's good. Cause she's, it's illegal. She's got like rashes on her face from <laughs> us all like kissing her too much. <laughs> you know? Um, but I was thinking of you when I was thinking of her looking at her this morning, how, you know, it's like human beings are like these nesting dolls or like trees that get the rings mm -hmm. on them. And that gooey center is like the more central the the doll, the smaller the nesting doll, the, the, the littler the ring, yep. the more important, the more formative that is. Yep. And it's just like, okay, well, like I feel really good about, I, I, I would bet my bottom dollar that like my six-year-old, we have not damaged him <laughs> at, at well, all. I'm going to interview him next. So shit's we'll see. <laughs> I mean, shit's coming. Everybody's life. Yeah. But, but I think taking damage at 12 or 19 or, you know, really bad breakup or whatever. That's a lot different it's just than not the same. No. It, yeah. Taking it at three. Cause it lasts an entire lifetime. Yeah. Like when you disrupt the normal processes of growing up and love and all of those things that you're supposed to have as a child, when you disrupt yeah. that, it subverts everything. It, it does. Everything. And it, it's, it's almost, it's, it's irreconcilable down the road. I hate to, I bet you, I wonder how many mental health professionals would, um, admit that and I'm, I'm assuming the word is admit that they would that they privately know that to be true yeah that when they take in no don't get me wrong if you are an adult who has issues you should work on yourself you should do everything we should all do everything we possibly can to be our best selves and you shouldn't give up but like there are people who are so damaged that you just they're can't not, fix they're not going to be fixed you no. can you can mitigate manson the you can mitigate the damage you think manson could have been fixed no, no that. any of those dudes right. none of them mm -hmm. You know, a lot of women as well. Like, and if you go back in their past, I'm sure there's some sort of Uncle Diddle fingers that just ruined it all. It is amazing. And I think we're only just now as a society starting to understand, like, like what percentage of the dysfunction in our world is just simply caused by childhood abuse. Yeah. And so and, much and the of way, it. And the way that it ripples out. Yeah. And, and, 
the the tough thing about that is the importance of society and community. How do you mean? Uh, just the importance of having a strong family unit mm -hmm. and a strong family unit usually resides within a strong community and a strong community lives within a strong society. And I think that, you know, we're in this generation now where we're communicating more, but on our cell phones and we're talking more, but not face to face and children have a lot more friends, but they don't know how to have a f regular conversation because they're just talking to their friends on Snapchat. Now, is that your actual experience? Do you, do you have children in your life that you're saying that sort of uh, just about? from friends, kids and okay. just from being, you know, cause I've heard an observing that. person. Okay. I've heard that as well. I don't experience that in my child's life or my child's yeah. circle. So again, I don't know if this is this straw man thing that everyone's been moaning. Right. It's not actually really happening. Yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I just feel it's not that I'm saying it's happening. I'm just wondering if it will, if, if <laughs> what's going on in society now, is a sort of thing that like our parents were worried about back in the day about, you know, television, it's going to rot your brain and radio and just like it, just any sort of change where a technological device has an effect on the way people are being raised or communicating. If that is going to be detrimental to a whole society, has it already happened up next on Sharp Down podcast? Are we done? No, I mean, we probably should because I feel like we could, you and I could talk about things for a very long time. Yes. This is our problem. This is our, this our is cross our, to bear. This is our, our blessing and our curse. I was really hoping for another dad cliche to come out of that pie hole of yours. Winkity dink. We got hunky dory. Yeah. We got peachy I keen. I don't know that I can summon them on command. I mean, they I'm came making, out pretty natural. I'm making my kid. Oh, they're in there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Make no mistake. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm turning my kid into this obnoxious pun machine. It's so funny. That's cute. Yeah. That's cute. I have a, um, it's like pathological with me. Like any, any word that hangs in the air, I just start, my, my brain just goes to work on making puns out of it. <laughs> and like my wife tolerates it. My mother-in-law has open disdain for it. And my kid has just totally caught the cold, but he's horrible at is it. Is he like what? Well, he's just like, he, you know, oh God, I, can't, I really wish I could think of anything this morning. Like he just makes up jokes, you know, like what, They're kids, so bad. what kids do where yeah. it's just like, you can obviously see, uh, uh, uh how he thought of it right. a mile away. <laughs> and you just have to smile or do you tell him it's bad? You should tell him it's bad. I don't, saw don't celebrate mediocrity. No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. No, and I feel really even mediocre puns, which is even worse. Yeah, In you our gotta, industry, come you, on, you know what to do. Like you would know any 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 idiot would know that when you're like, oh, that you you grade them on a curve. Yeah, when you're like, oh, that's actually pretty good for you. Yeah, and then there's like, okay, I get it, I get you it. You grade them on a curve. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you do. Is he he's six? Six and a half. Yeah. Wow, your kids are gonna be fine. I, I believe I believe that is true. I mean, they're definitely going to try heroin and Vicodin because I'm going to tell them all your secrets. They are. Every. <laughs> it's just such a crazy thing that. And they say that, you know, this. I think I'm probably talking more about the generation that goes before what my kids are. I don't know. You know, like, but the generation that's blooming right now, they say are. Um, because every generation wants to defy expectations. Yeah. Because everyone's like, it's okay. I get it. You guys are going to try smack. It's cool. Don't worry about it. They don't try smack. Right. Um, so I think that there is. A supposedly young people nowadays are um, competent. 
and um, good people. That's and, really presumptuous. And kind of boring. Really? I've heard that a lot. Is this now? Is this one of those? Maybe that's just in the is this le- another in the straw classes? thing that's happening. <laughs> it's just happening in your household. No, I, I read that in the Economist. So yeah, same difference. I don't have experiences. I all I do. Is I don't either. I wake up with a baby in my armpit, and then she vomits on me. I am right here. She vomits on me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the people deserve to know. <laughs> and she vomits on me and then I help her get ready. And then I drive my kid to school and I have some weird forced conversation with some other parents for a couple minutes. Oh. And then I like go swim some laps. And then I look up stupid news stories on Drudge Report. And then I go and talk on the radio for three hours. And then I go home and I eat fish. And then you vomit. And then you, you, know, then you pop a Vicodin. And then no, I don't get to do Well, I don't have any more. And, and then <laughs> I play some dumb game with my kids and then I have a scotch and I go to bed and that's my life every single day. I have no, I don't, I I can't believe it sounds like a pretty great life though. It's awesome, but I can't minus the shitty puns. I can't believe I have anything to talk about on the radio because I literally have no experience. Cause you have a, you have a pretty decent brain. Yeah, I guess I've got a wealth of heroin taking experiences from which to draw. Well, speaking of that, where can my people hear more of your experiences? All right. So the Tully show is, airs on Sirius XM channel 103 and you can get it on demand or I don't know when it airs now sometime on the weekend and you can also get it as a uh, podcast wherever you get podcasts and I'm at Tully on Twitter and at Tully Wood on Instagram this is so weird I forgot people were going to listen to this yeah no they're they're gonna listen there are people who listen to this I believe you they're gonna find you you're big and you know what you're gonna get some Vicodin out of this I guarantee it I would not say no the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.